It is wonderful to see God's people today. Did you say he is risen? Well, he is risen, Jay. Amen, amen. Last week we celebrated the Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so much good is happening, though we look out at the world watching the news. Uh, we are in a dark world, in a wicked world, but God has given us the church that we are a part of to be a light in the world, salt and light. And so we continue to fulfill the mission. Uh, and we have a big mission, don't we, church? And again, our vision here is to reach Casper for Christ. And as we begin today, I want to share a story about a young artist uh, in the 4th century, there was a young artist named Timanthes, uh, and he studied under a respected tutor. I have this picture for you just to kind of reflect on uh, the story here. And after several years, the teacher's efforts seemed to have paid off when Timanthes painted an exquisite work of art. Unfortunately, he became so enraptured at the painting that he gazed at it for days. And one morning, he arrived to admire his work and and was shocked to find out that somebody had painted over what he had painted. Angrily, Timanthes ran to his teacher who admitted he had destroyed the painting. I did it for your own good. That painting was halting your progress. Start again and see what else you can do and do better. And Timanthes took his teacher's advice and produced the sacrifice of Iphigenia, which is regarded as one of the most or the finest paintings in history. Now, church, I share that with you today because we can become like that in our walk with Christ. We admire past achievements. Uh, we get comfortable as Christians. Uh, we feel like this is good enough for our life or even in the church. And as I share that with you today, I don't want you to ever lose your awe and wonder of what Christ did for you at the cross. I'm not telling anyone today to forget what God has done in the past, the work of the cross, the blood that Christ has shed for you, that you are saved. Um, that is your testimony. But our testimony doesn't stop. Our testimony is to grow. We are to have new testimonies. But oftentimes we stare at the great work He did in the past, and many aren't really interested in moving on to what is next. Um, some aren't even interested in going beyond what they've learned early on as a young Christian. And to be honest, many have professed that they are saved. Um, they'll say, I'm saved and I'm good. Um, I'm good enough is a term we hear a lot today. Yet others, and this is the reason for the message today, others are left wondering, what's next? What now? Isn't there more to this Christian thing that I said yes to? And the good thing is that Christ doesn't leave us hanging in this moment. He has more for us as Christians. There's so much more. And here it is at age 46 and pursuing Jesus Christ. And I look at the past and the wonderful things He has done in the past in my life and these wonderful moments and I've shared my testimony with you. But God is doing a greater work now in the present. I'm learning more about God even now. 
Uh, I mean, we, I look back at the past and I, I think of when I was in Sunday school and we, there were Sunday school teachers and I remember it vividly and the songs we would sing and the pictures we would draw. And, and I talk about this a lot, about how when you're young, you're drawing these little pictures and you're learning about Daniel in the lion's den and you're just like enthralled just because there's this guy named Daniel and there's lions involved and Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And kids, their eyes just widen. They're excited about that. But as you grow as a Christian, you need more. What is this story about? And as you grow older, you realize Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. That there was a law written that he couldn't pray. And you're learning to grow and understand more of who God is. And as you grow even more, you realize this God you learned about as a child shut the mouths of the lion. And you've seen him work in your life as you're growing and that he does stop things in your life and, and helps you grow and pursue him. And your, your faith widens as you learn more about God. And the good thing is that Christ continues to move in our life. And you can see this happening in the scriptures as Jesus is always calling people closer. There is never a point here on earth if you've professed Jesus Christ where the story ends. And there's never a place where you can say, I have it all figured out. Um, again, I'm 46. I learned a lot about God in my youth. I'm studying even now. I'm not, I would say I'm a professional in some sense, but I'm still learning more and more and more about God. I'm attending classes. I am still a student. I am discipling and I am being discipled as a Christ follower. And in the scriptures, Jesus calls his disciples to himself. And oftentimes he has to go back, and if you remember, I think it's Luke chapter 5, when Jesus tells them to, to take him out into the deep. Uh, he preaches a sermon first, and then he they go out further out, and he tells them to cast their nets. And the disciples say, you know, we fished all night, we caught nothing. <laughs> We're giving up. And Jesus says, cast again, cast on the right side. And, and they had this huge catch. At that point, the disciples were already kind of following Jesus. They'd already seen that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But they went back to fishing. And at that moment, when God moved, they put down their nets and said, he said, you will be fishers of men from here on night. They put down their nets and they followed Jesus. He keeps showing up and he keeps calling us closer to him. Even in the book of Acts in chapter 1, the disciples see Jesus ascended. And I just put myself into the situation. When you see a phenomenon, even nature, you're in awe of it. You're, in, you're enraptured by this moment. And here it is. Jesus is lifted up. He's going to be ascended. He's going to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This is something we teach and believe. And the disciples are just staring. And I think if they were not told, they may have stayed there for a long time. Like, what? You know? And the angels that were there had to say, men of Galilee... Jesus went up, but he's going to come in like manner. It is a reminder for them that there's more. There's something else to this thing. We're to go and make disciples and follow Jesus. Now, in our scripture today, we learned about doing what is next. We know so much about the apostle Peter as he's followed Jesus and faltered along the way, but has grown in faith. And he gives us this letter, 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to hit just verses 3 through 5. Jessica's read the other scripture. It says here, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That Jesus Christ has given us everything we need for salvation and to live a godly life. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, 
by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. By the way, we are to escape the corruption of the world and its sinful desires. But Peter tells us this, for this reason, because everything that God has done and is doing, make every effort to supplement your faith. I am a Christian. I believe, but it doesn't stop there. We're to add to our faith because there's so much more to do. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we love you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for these sacred times where we can meet with you. Uh, we can meet with the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we can meet with one another. And I pray today, Lord, that you draw us closer to you. Wherever anyone is in their walk. Uh, maybe someone here is a, a skeptic. They doubt the things of you. I pray that you call on their heart. Maybe someone is a new believer and they need to make that next step drawing closer to you. Maybe there's someone that's been believing for years and their faith has grown cold. But Lord, I pray you stir their passion again, that you fill them with their spirit. Lord, we believe. Show us what's next. Help us to pursue you. Help us to fill our lives with your truth and do what is necessary to add to our faith, to have this foundation and to be fruitful. Help us to hear from heaven today, Lord, and I pray you guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray you remove the distractions today. We ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you give us minds to understand, ears to hear what you have to say, eyes to see your kingdom. Bless your words as they go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, over the last two weeks, we've learned a lot. We talked about some basic things uh, that the church has to always return back to the Great Commission. And we celebrated the coming and the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit that was a promise that we are given power from above. We have the Holy Spirit in us and that we can continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. We celebrated Pentecost. But salvation does not stop at belief or confirmation. I know many people that have grown up in the Catholic faith and they would say that they were baptized or Catholic and that's it. Or they went through confirmation, or they were baptized, or they believed, or they said a sinner's prayer. Um, but there's so much more to faith than those things. That is merely the starting point. It does not stop at baptism. It doesn't even stop at Pentecost. God wants you, He wants me, He wants His Christians to grow in their relationship with Him and to serve Him. Now, we are saved and given a purpose and sent into the world. We are to grow and we are to add to this great salvation that we have been given. And that's what I want to talk about today. And the first thing I want you to see is salvation. You would say, I believe and I am saved. And Paul tells us how we are saved in Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ... You cry out for him in need that you need saving, you will be saved. And this is the good news of Jesus Christ, and God sent his son into the world to save sinners. This is great news. There's great news, there's good news because there's bad news. The bad news is that we are in a fallen world. Look around, watch the news. It is evil, it is sick, it is wicked. People need saving. And though we deserve death and separation from God, God sent His Son to interrupt that. 
that we may come into a relationship with the Father again through the Son and all that He has done. He died for us at the cross. He forgives us our sins. He rose again. Actually, He is buried. We forget about that a lot. The old person is gone and buried in the tomb. The dead man, the, the Adam, the old Derek is in the tomb. The new Derek arises. We, we, we come forth and we have resurrection power in Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. Sin has corrupted what God intended at the beginning. We were made in the image of God. And Adam and Eve sinned and sin came into the world as it affected all. We are marred by sin. God is in the business of saving and restoring us to what He originally intended. That we are to live a pure life in, in a good relationship with God. The Father wants all who have run from Him, all the prodigals, to return home. And He's offering this free gift of salvation. And I want you to know, in this economy, anything free sounds good, doesn't it? Salvation has been free from the beginning. You don't have to earn it. You just believe in what God has done. And once we've been saved, we work those things out. We're going to talk about that today. In this, I want to share this. I believed at a young age. I, I tell people this all the time. I don't think I was discipled properly. I went to church. We did activities. I think the church dropped the ball in a lot of sense into discipling young people. We did a lot of activities. We had fun. A lot of my discipleship came from my grandparents, who we saw once or twice a year, and sometimes we would stay a week with them, and they taught us what we needed to do as Christians. And it wasn't until my late 20s that I began to be discipled, and I was discipled primarily by Christian radio. I delivered mail for years, and I would listen to Christian radio all day long, sermon after sermon, songs, reading of Scripture. And then when we rejoined the church, we just started soaking in the sermons and the truth of God, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, anytime we had a chance, and we were discipled through those things. Um, and God is offering this to you. He has called you to Himself, and if He calls you and you say yes, He will save you. There's a transaction that takes place. Um, the penalty for your sin is paid. We deserve death, and Christ gives us life. Your sins are forgiven. You are born again. You're born from above. You're brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, the Bible actually says you were darkness. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. And then Christ has saved you and given you life. You pass from death to life. You're filled. In the past, you're filled with hate and selfishness. And this is what's radical. God gives you his nature, and you have this love for God for what he has done, and all of a sudden you start loving other people. I've talked about that a lot. Um, in Casper, when we're going up on the outer, and there's a lane that's going to end on the right, and you're trying to move. If you're ever in the right lane, most people, 95% of people in Casper, speed up. They don't want to let you over. Now, I'm a Christian, so I let people live. But just that simple thing is that people just don't care about others. How hard is it just to let someone else in, wave? Being kind to other people. Actually caring about others is a divine thing that God has given us. To love other people even in their sinfulness and betrayal and selfishness. That we are to love other people. And we are called by God to do this. The second thing I want you to see today. Yes, you're saved. You would say, I'm saved, but now what? What is next for you? Um, and here it is. Peter tells us in his first letter, or his second letter in chapter 3, but grow. Grow in this grace that you've received. Acknowledge our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Learn more about this Jesus. Jesus is just not one of many religions in the world that we kind of believe that he is just this good moral teacher. Jesus Christ is, as Emma said today, the Son of God. No other world religious leader rose from the grave. They're all in the tomb. And we need to learn about this Savior and how we're to be as Christians. And, and maybe you heard the good news in your youth and in a song and in a ministry and through a sermon, a podcast, a church, a family member, a friend who invited you to church. You said yes to God. You believed. You've trusted in Christ for salvation. You are alive. But what do I do now? We want you to develop this new relationship with God. What it means to walk in this new life by growing. And here it is. The only evidence for life is growth. You can tell if a tree is dead or alive by the growth. If you plant in the yard, any plant, if it's not growing, it is not alive. And the same thing applies for us. If we are growing, you can see life that they have received the divine life of Jesus Christ. There's five things that I suggest today, and I could go into a lot more, but I'm just going to give five simple things that will help you grow in your faith. The first thing is to develop a prayer life. And when I say prayer, I mean learn the Lord's Prayer first, learn the 23rd Psalm, these things, teach them to your kids, pray before your meals. When you hear about someone being sick, someone that needs God in their life to save them, call on the real God. And here's the thing, we're not talking about meditation I'll meditate for you. Unless you're meditating to God, no, I don't want any of that. When people say, I will give you my positive thinking, I don't know. I have, most people are pessimistic. I don't want your positive thoughts. I want prayers going to God to intervene. And as, this, as we're seeking God, we're developing a relationship with Him. In our class today, uh, Jarvis's class, um, Dale Dunham was sharing about um, the nights. And we got a text from Paula. And man, they've been through so much the nights. And there's been many times where, you know, I mean, they, they thought Jim was going to die. Paula texted us, Jim is at a crossroads. He either goes downhill fast or uphill. It can go either way. And we put that out there. She's texting you. We're praying for her. And all of a sudden, Jim has opened his eyes. He's moving. He's responding. Jim is back in Casper now. I had a conversation with him this week. He's doing well. Praise God. That is the God we believe in. Amen. We develop a prayer life, and I know people have prayed for me, and God has answered those prayers. I've prayed for other people, and God has answered those prayers, but we develop a relationship with God. It would be like if you're married, and you never talk to your spouse, but always say, I love my spouse, I just don't like talking to my spouse. That, Christians, I love this God, I just never talk to him. That doesn't make sense. We develop a relationship with God through praying. The second thing I want you to do is a daily habit of reading Scripture. This is God's truth to us. You've been saved and you're trying to move away from sin. A lot of people begin to empty their lives of their selfishness and sin, and then something else can move in. In that time, you need to be devouring the Word of God, learning the Word of God, listening to sermons, listening to podcasts, listening to Christian music that fills your heart with His truth. Get in a class. We, take, we talk about that a lot here. We want you in a small group, in a class, whatever it may be, that you can learn about Jesus Christ, grow in your walk, and develop relationships with other Christians. Three, connect with a good Bible-based church. There's a ton of churches here in Casper. There are many good pastors that I know that have awesome churches that are discipleship churches. We want people in the community of faith 
because we need to be uh, surrounded by other believers, amen? We encourage one another. We grow together. In fact, the Bible tells us to walk with the wise and you become wise. I want to be around wise people that know what they're talking about. None of this opinion and made-up stuff on, or in the world. The fourth thing, again, build solid Christian relationships. I'm 46, and I have several men who are much older than me that I can text or call at any moment that can tell me what I need to hear. I ask them questions, and they give me advice, and I need that in my life. My grandfather, for years, I would consider him a mentor, uh, just a Bible-based Christian. We need those relationships, church. Number five, pretty simple, share the gospel. You have believed, tell others your testimony. Invite people to Christ. Invite people to the church. Be a part of this. You know why a lot of people in Christianity frown? I watched this. We used to have a, a, a greeter at one church. And she smiled like this. And uh, I just, I was like, oh man, people are coming and she's greeting at the door and she just looks so, she was a bitter person, but she was involved. Do you know why people become bitter over time? One, you've not developed your relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing, you're not sharing the good news. When you see someone saved because you've told them about Jesus, you're filled with joy. When you see God, when you're praying, reading the scripture, God is moving, you start to smile. This joy we received affects our faith, amen? It affects our life and what we believe as Christians. These are the things, personally, corporately, that we should do to grow in grace and knowledge of God as a Christian. And here it is. This is hard for people to hear today. Don't trust any person that says they're a Christian but tells you they don't need the church. Interestingly, Jesus loves his church. And he died for the church. And he's still building the church. Church, I need you. And we need one another. And this is, it is a tactic of Satan to say that. Now, some people have been hurt in church, and I understand that. But you need to be healed and find another church. I understand. There's hurts. But Jesus Christ, the early church would have never said, I love this Jesus guy, I just don't like this church thing. You don't find this in any Christian writings. Is a 20th and 21st century phenomenon where people say, I want this Jesus, I just want to have nothing to do with the people that Jesus loves and died for. We are to love one another. We are to get involved in this thing. It is a tactic of Satan to tell people you don't need the church because they get left alone. And they're out there on their own, drowning in this world. We need one another because we're in this rescue mission together. Jesus loves his church, and the Christians are to love his church as well. Another thing I want you to see is that we are to guard our heart in sacred times. Every Sunday, there's going to be a challenge. I start watching over the weekend, and there's a pattern of life that people develop. And we need to make Sunday worship a priority. There will always be something that pulls you away. Stay on guard. Guard your heart, and guard your schedule, and guard your sacred times. The third thing, main point I want you to see today, church, that we are to add to our salvation. Again, the Apostle Peter tells us, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort to add to this thing that we believe about God. And there's seven things that Peter gives us today. Now, some of these overlap with the fruit of the Spirit. And the thing is, is that the fruit of the Spirit is a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit that there should be evidence of life in you, that you should love other people, that there should be kindness and goodness in your life. And here it is. Pete, Paul tells us there's this divine work happening. 
that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, God is working in your life, and we are to work outwardly what He is doing on the inside. So God is moving, He's enabling you to believe and to grow in faith, but on the outside, we are to work with Him. There is the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, and they meet together in this thing of faith as we grow. Um, Paul tells it this way, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who's working in you, both to will and to work His good pleasure. Now God is working in your lives, and we are to make every effort. It, it, he doesn't say every once in a while do some spiritual stuff. It means to get diligent about what we believe as Christians. That I'm to dig in, that I'm building this foundation of the five things that we talked about, and I'm growing outwardly and inwardly in the things of God. I'm pursuing Him. I'm diligent about this, that we are to add our faith. And there's seven things I want to share them with you today. Virtue. Um, Greek word arte. means goodness. Moral excellence. Now we're going to get into godliness in a minute, but moral excellence a virtuous, a virtuous course of thought, that my mind is virtuous, that I have Christian thinking, that I have values in my heart and my mind, in my feelings and actions. In the Roman first century culture, virtue characterized the very finest of Roman manhood, strength and valor and courage and excellence. That was the first century so when Peter is telling us to add virtue to our lives, here it is, the 21st century, we are to take it serious. We are to add this to our faith. The second thing here, we are to add knowledge. This means to know God in the salvation that we believe. We've talked about that earlier. I'm growing in knowledge. I'm learning more about this God we believe in. Uh, we are to have this general knowledge of God, but we are to be actively seeking more knowledge about Him. Years ago, Einstein was approached by a young lady and she said, what, is, what are you a student of? He said, I'm a student of physics. Um, I still am a student of physics. I study it daily, daily. And she said, oh, I finished physics years ago. And the thing is here, we say the same thing sometimes with Christianity. I've already learned all I need to know. And this intimate, eternal, infathomable God has a lot more to teach us, church. We need to grow in knowledge and do whatever it takes the third thing here, church, self-control. What a necessary thing for the 21st century believer and culture. And this is the virtue of one who masters his own desires. That means you recognize within your heart your faults and failures and the things that you struggle in, and you take control over those things by the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us overcome sin. Uh, this is the serious Christian. Um, seriously, Christians need to add this to the faith. In our culture, this is what you've seen. This is not the pastor saying anything radical. I'm a Christian, but I continue to live in sin. I'm a Christian, but on the weekends, I still party and do whatever I want to do. I'm a Christian, but I'm still actively engaged in pornography. I'm a Christian, and I still have these thoughts that I have not dealt with yet that are wicked, and I need to take to Jesus Christ and allow Him to cleanse my heart. I'm a Christian, but I still lose my temper at my kids. I'm a Christian, but I'm not living as God has told me to live, and I still, whatever it is, we are to add self-control. Uh, whatever it is, spending, our behavior around other people, what we say, even your day-to-day -day schedule needs to be brought and subject to Jesus Christ. How you behave in the workplace says everything about you. So if you tell someone, I'm a Christian, 
and they see you talk and act like everyone else, they're just going to think you're a hypocrite. And this is the problem. We invite those people to church sometimes. Why do they not come? Because they don't see the real deal. Another one here, steadfastness, patience, waiting, endurance, sustaining, perseverance. Uh, this is the New Testament perseverance of patience through suffering. It's not that I struggle in the line at the grocery store and there's five people and I want to get over here and I'm on the road and all these things. It's not that type of patience at all. It's the, a divine patience that I'm patient with unbelievers and family members that I'm going through a hard time in my life and I still trust in Jesus Christ and I haven't give up on Him even though I question at times why am I going through this. This is divine patience that we add to our faith. Godliness. Simply this. What does godliness mean? To be like God. We are to become like our Father in heaven. The Bible tells us be, uh, imitate our Father as dear children. We are His children we imitate His life. People are to see God in us. We have this again, this syncretism that has affected the church, that I am Christian and unchristian at the same time. Now I'm not talking about someone who, who was tempted and fell into sin and this thing and God has saved them from that. I'm talking about this continual thing where I take the name of Christ and live very unchrist-like. Now, this may be a young person and somebody in error, and we're to walk alongside them, but church, we are called. Peter tells us, Peter, who made all kinds of failures and made mistakes that Jesus actually had to say, get behind me, Satan, too, who actually denied Jesus Christ, is now telling us we are to be a godly people. Amen? Last two things here. We are to add brotherly kindness and love. You know what brotherly kindness is? It's a brotherly love for the Christians. Again, there is no true and honest Christian that says, I love Christ and I don't love the Christians. We are to add brotherly affection to one another. We are to love. The, this is my family. I have a lot of people say, I'm going to go do this thing with my family and I get some of that. But this is the divine family of God. We are to love one another. The last thing here is love. Affection. Goodwill. Agape is the Greek word here. Uh, love toward others. It's different from brotherly kindness. It's actually the love demonstrated to unbelievers. That I love people even though they're in sin. And my heart goes out to them just as God loved them and died for them. We are to love people in their sin. That we love them enough to share the good news and the gospel. And people know their lives are messed up. And they actually need someone to tell them. They need a loving Christian to come alongside and say, I know this is not working. I need, let me pray with you. Let me talk to you about Jesus the better way. This is agape love, the grace of God, the love of God toward others. I want to close with something with you today. Time has gotten away, but we've had an awesome time baptizing and celebrating what God is doing in the world. There's a reason why I think people don't go beyond merely saying that this sinner's prayer is saying that they believe. When you start to get closer to God... He starts to reveal things in your life that need to change. You believed and trusted Jesus enough to be saved and get your ticket in. But you don't trust Jesus enough to clean up the other areas of your life. And so we kind of hold up there because when we get closer, we start to realize there's other things that need to change and areas I need to grow in. And it's much like when you have a toothache. It starts to hurt and you know something is wrong. You don't want to go to the dentist for two reasons. One, because of the cost. Uh, and because they're going to find something else. 
they might find another infection, a cavity, or something that needs to be repaired, and you just don't want to accept the truth. And that's what God is here for. You've been saved. He's redeemed you. Now He's showing you what it means to be holy. And He's recreating you into His image to be like Him. And that means there's areas in your life that need to be worked on. Everybody in here. Everyone in here needs God in their life continually. And everyone in here has another area in their life that needs to be worked on. But we kind of create these pet little things and try to tuck them into the darkness. And God is in the business of shining light into these areas. In the body of Christ, through small groups and teaching, as we, as we grow closer to Jesus Christ, we see this as we get closer to Him. Last verse here. Peter tells us, why do all this? Why grow? Why add to my faith? He says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That is radical. We've created a church that has confessed Jesus Christ by faith and lives a life of falling all over the place. And we're taught if we falter, if we sin, we're to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to cleanse us. But here it is. He's saying, if you're actively pursuing Jesus Christ, you don't fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided to you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here it is. I believe and you think you got your ticket in, but you're not even demonstrating Jesus Christ in your life. How do you really know? This gives us assurance. I'm building on this foundation. I'm adding to my faith. I'm living this thing out. I feel that Jesus is in my life. I have assurance. And the kingdom is open, wide open for us. That we're growing and learning so much more about this eternal God. Amen, church? That is where we are. We are to grow. What is next? Step forward and follow Jesus Christ. As we close in prayer today, I want you just to ask God in your prayers. God, will you show me what is next? Will you show me what I need to do to grow, uh, to add to my faith, to live a godly life? Let's close in prayer. Holy Father in heaven, you're so wonderful and gracious. You're so patient with us. And Lord, we thank you for your truth today. Lord, we celebrate those who believe and are pursuing you and returning to you and as we are learning more about this, Lord, we pray that you draw us closer into who you are. Lord, that we're building on this foundation of faith that you've given us. And Lord, that we're working this thing out, that we're adding to it. And that others see you working in our lives. Lord, that we don't falter in this anymore. Lord, that we see this door wide open to your kingdom. And that we are actively inviting others to you. And Lord, we pray that you give us divine revelation of the things that need to change in our lives. Don't let anyone walk out of here today you've talked to. You've already told them what they need to do. Let them confess it to you. Lord, let us say yes to the next right thing in our life as we pursue you. Let us be the disciples you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, if you would stand as we close. God is good, isn't He? We continue to celebrate what Jesus Christ is doing. We have a loving God. Amen. Let's celebrate our God today, what He's doing. Amen. Go in grace and peace. And go and fulfill the vision that we have here to reach Casper for Christ. You are missionaries. Live on mission with Jesus Christ. You are dismissed. Go in grace and peace. We love you. Bless you.